2: Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: Seven questions, limitless answers. From the Abraham
2: Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter Egg Rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter Egg Rolls. At least three or four more. Maybe may, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> so, six. So, what the hell? Uh, are you know. are you saying that that uh, you would be? uh taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024 well, i'll either, so either, either roll an egg or you know being the good the, you know the guy who's pushing him out come on help a, help a brother out make no, some news no, for no, me no. Here. I, well i plan on running now, but we're not prepared to
2: announce it yet all right the president sounds more and more like ozzy Osbourne to me just kind of slurry and semi-coherent and the rest of it and i uh, i say that not to mock uh, because he's an elderly man he's 80 years old and um, Well, I don't mock old people, but again, I find the idea that he is running again fairly laughable. Another piece of evidence in that direction, I guess, although I don't know. I hate to contradict myself, but if you can get away with hiding a president from scrutiny by the press, I guess in these cynical, you know, ethics free times. Where your duty to the people and the Constitution just doesn't even come up. People don't even think about it. I suppose you just hide the president to to lower your risk factor. But I'd say that need is especially acute if indeed uh, uh, the gent in question is ancient and can hardly que- can hardly handle Al Roker saying, ah, Are you gonna be part of the Easter egg roll after twenty twenty four? Well well, I might have maybe two years. Well three years I might be the rolling or I might be the guy um pushing him out. So if he can't handle that question with any skill, how's he gonna deal with you know, whether it's Fox News or uh Any of the other, you know, real reporters on the scene. And uh, speaking of real reporters, they were in the Daily Briefing uh, a couple of days ago, I believe this happened. And they were grilling KJP about why the hell Biden hasn't had a press conference in forever. He is setting records as if he ran a two-minute mile. Um, uh, Records in terms of not being available for real questioning. Uh, And this is what she said, clip 36.
1: Why can't the president take questions from the press?
3: Right now, we just
1: don't have anything on the books for a press conference at this moment. Uh, The president always loves to take your questions, shouted questions.
3: We haven't had that opportunity in quite some time.
1: So I'll say this. It is also unprecedented that a president takes as many shouted questions as this president has. And he has. No, no, I don't have anything to share with all of you at this time. uh, And uh, and I'll I'll just leave it there.
2: And a lot of that media that was getting a little bit uh, testy there are generally left-leaning friendly sources. So if you have that sort of anger and resentment building, and, you know, for all of their liberalism, the better reporters, they think of themselves as really good reporters. I mean, they want to be good reporters. They want to win awards. They want to be known And they're being denied any opportunity to do that because they can't talk to the president ever. So you're going to see growing frustration in the part of the Washington uh, press corps, the White House press corps, I should say, um, even among lefties. And you wouldn't do that sort of damage as the White House um, press office unless you have to, unless you've decided we just have to keep him hidden, uh, you know, in the style of hiding him in the basement uh, during the campaign. So... The idea that somehow or other, something is going to change enough that Biden can run for president, answer all those queries, endure the debates, endure the charges and counter charges. Um, that a couple of years down the line, he's going to be sharp enough to do that—is just crazy to me. I just it's not going to happen. But anyway, I suppose we'll uh, wait and see and find out together. Handful of stories to talk about. Uh, we haven't talked about the dueling legal decisions about the abortion pill. Um, a, a Texas judge, a Trump appointee, said that the 23-year-old FDA approval of the so-called abortion pill was uh, flawed and invalid. And uh, it's 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 an out there ruling. It's such a stretch. It's not going to hold up. Um, and if that's bad news to you because you, you hate abortion and you're hoping that this was a uh, a blow in the right direction, it's just not. It's a wacky ruling. And a lot of folks have stepped forward and said, if you can have a single judge undo a 23-year-old uh, drug approval, well, then the FDA doesn't really exist anymore or doesn't exist in the way it did. I, I don't think that will stand up. And it leads me to another discussion, which is a little uncomfortable in conservative talk radio, but... Um, uh, Nancy Mace, do you know who she is? She's a Republican Congresswoman in South Carolina, uh, attractive gal, very articulate and, um, and kind of a rising star in Republican politics. She's joined a couple other people saying out loud Republicans have to aggressively put forward a balanced position on abortion and one that effect the one that uh, reflects rather um, the will of the American people and I think there's a huge wide lane there and I'll read her the quote and we'll go from there if we can show that we care just a little bit that we have some compassion we can show the country that our policies are reasonable but because we keep going down these rabbit holes of extremism we're just going to keep losing she's repeatedly called for more flexibility on first-term abortions and exceptions for rape incest and life and health of the mother and um, And, you know, Jack and I have expressed that opinion for a long time. Gallup polls have been remarkably consistent through the years, showing that Americans are uncomfortable with first-term abortion, but can deal with it. And then the vast, vast majority of Americans are extremely uncomfortable with second-trimester abortions, and will only accept them under life-of-the-mother-type exceptions. And then virtually... All Americans are united that late-term abortions are a horror. They're a murder, or at least akin to a murder, depending on who you ask. So if the Republican Party went with a more nuanced uh, set of policies like that, um, I think the Republican Party would be in in fabulous position, and it would so utterly de-energize the Democratic Party who've been able to portray Republicans pretty successfully recently as such anti-abortion zealots, and these are their words, not mine, but uh, they've been able to uh, portray Republicans as such anti-abortion zealots that you just must vote uh, Democrat or it'll be the hands- handmaid's tale or, or nobody will be able to have an abortion if they're raped and that sort of thing. And it just it grants them way too much power and energy. Republicans not taking a more nuanced view. And I know why they don't. It's because the hardcore anti-abortion crowd, which I believe is motivated entirely by morals and religion. I mean, it is a completely defensible position, morally speaking. But politically, it's going to kill Republicans. And here's why that matters. And, and here's my argument to folks who find all abortion abhorrent. If you can't get Republicans into office, you're going to lose the game big. You're going to lose it bad. The reality of it is America is conservatively moderate on abortion. And if you go with conservatively moderate, we will continue to have a strong say, a truly powerful say in abortion what abortion laws pass and don't pass going forward in all 50 states. If, because of the legitimately held beliefs of the never-any-time folks, Republicans can be portrayed as all believing that, we will have very little say going forward, and we will be horrified at what the much more heavily than it needs to be Democratic governments of of the various states pass. So that that's my argument for moderation. Any thoughts, responses, agreement, disagreement? Uh, why don't you drop us an email? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at com, And we will, uh, we'll talk about this uh, going forward because it's important. Uh, we don't talk much about abortion because so many people's minds are set one direction or another. But the politics of it I find interesting. And, and again, I think this may be uh, the classic... We're not going to get the whole loaf. You're not going to get the whole loaf. So you've got to think strategically. But enough said on that topic. Um, Have you ever heard of the Flynn effect? This scientist, James Flynn, 1984. He was studying IQs, intelligence test scores, and realized they'd been steadily increasing since the 1930s, again, through the middle of the 1980s. And that rise, that steady rise, came to be called the Flynn effect. Well, now people are talking about what they're calling the reverse Flynn effect. In the 90s, those numbers started to decline. And American IQs are now dropping steadily. That's right. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's sure as hell troubling. We'll take a little break, be back to talk about that much more. Stay with us.
0: Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,
1: The
3: Armstrong and Getty Show. So I just got sucked into a Twitter thread about child labor laws that has me all worked up. Maybe we can talk about that in hour four. Many people on the left who are horrified at the idea of teenagers having jobs for some reason and i can't figure out why i guess you're anti-capitalist and believe it's exploitation even though i was begging my dad to help get me a job when i was like 14 because i want to make some money my son's the same way right yeah me too that that is so strange it's very weird yet another conflict of visions but we'll talk about that in hour four probably Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, we talked briefly before the break about the fact that from the 1930s through the 1990s, uh, according to the leading scientist who studied this, James Flynn, um, IQ scores were consistently going up. But in studying intelligence data from 2006 to 2018, Northwestern University researchers noticed that test scores in three of the four areas of these tests they call them cognitive domains were going down steadily okay so and they they said quote this is the first time we've seen a consistent negative slope for testing categories providing tangible evidence of what is known as the reverse Flynn effect
3: do we know why they were going up i thought human beings were just however smart they were why would we get smarter
2: well i, I they said at the time um uh, nutrition the availability of schooling to everybody uh, i don't know it's tough because iq is theoretically just raw candle power or it ought to be but that's a very tough thing to measure it's what you're so born with so it's always with, been alright.
3: controversial it's not how much you learn through your life it's what you're born with isn't it
2: you know it's been ages and ages and ages since i took an iq test um and i have vague memories of it um but I don't understand how if you're brought up in a family that stimulates you in the right ways as an infant and toddler and reads to you and talks to you and points out objects and just stimulates your frontal lobe to work all the time, how that kid isn't in a better position than a kid who's neglected, for instance, because that that's the the tragic and sad, but. Uh, uncontroversial, that a kid brought up in that neglectful environment will not develop intellectually. So I don't know exactly what the definition of IQ is. Probably, you know, what you end up with after toddlerhood.
3: But we're going backwards.
2: Yeah, we are going backwards, Jack. And thank you for getting us back on track. Uh, Three of the four cognitive domains are going down. Uh, The data shows drops in logic and vocabulary, known as verbal reasoning, visual problem solving and analogies going down, (laughs) known as matrix reasoning and computational and mathematical abilities known as letter and number series plunging on the flip side, however, scores in spatial reasoning. That's the thing where they show you like a three dimensional object and say, if this were flipped, uh, uh, you know, a quarter away this way, what would it look like? And they give you choices. I was always bad at that. And it was funny, it was, it was shortly after I took those tests that, uh, that I learned that men tend to do better in the spatial reasoning, blah, 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 and the women in the verbal thing. And my scores are absolutely opposite. And that's You're why trans. I'm coming out as transgender. That's exactly right. You've anticipated my words, Jack. No. <laughs> No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means there are all sorts of different
3: men. There are all sorts of different women, and uh, and that's fine. I believe I am a moron. Class A moron. Which is an IQ of 51 to 70. Hmm. 25 to 50 is an idiot. You an idiot! And then <laughs> below that, you're an imbecile. Hmm. We'd have to get a Three Stooges
2: clip for imbecile, I think. Hmm. So, anyway, there's a debate about what's causing it, um... Says this research assistant at Northwestern, where I couldn't afford to go, more uh, income inequality. Uh, There's a debate about what's causing it, but not every domain is going down. One of them is going up. If all the scores were going in the same direction, you could make a nice little narrative about it. But that's not the case. We need to dig more into it. Um, eh, The research assistant professor and one of the authors, very clear that these results don't necessarily mean Americans are getting less intelligent. It doesn't mean, I'm quoting, their mental abilities lower or higher. It's just a difference in in scores that are favoring older or newer samples. It could just be that they're getting worse at taking tests or specifically worse at taking these kind of tests, which indeed is my theory. My memory of the test that I took in middle school was that it took a fair amount of time and a lot of concentration. Mm. Can anybody think of any factors in the 21st century? That might affect the ability to concentrate over a long period of time right isn't this an
3: open and shut question and what you're hinting at of course is white supremacy
2: <laughs> well played sir well played a friend of mine actually commented the other day i said something was racism he says you call everything racism i said yes that's kind of a thing <laughs> I'm trying to so devalue it that only racists are called racists. Anyway, uh, yeah, it just seems to me it's obviously, you know, screens, social media, our gnat-like intelligence of having short stimulation over and over and well, over so again. I'll watch a TikTok video. No freaking way. I'm reading a book.
3: Well, so then it would it'd be pretty easy to have the theory. This is my current working theory. We're not any dumber. We just can't take the test anymore that determines how smart you are. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Just Which don't have... might
2: mean we're dumber, because right. concentration over time is a facet of intelligence, but now mm-hmm. we're getting a little above my... Uh... At
3: least it has been. Maybe the next generation is going to create ways to be short attention span people and survive. I have no idea.
0: Uh, more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: The three-two swung on. high drive, deep to right center. That baby is
3: gone! Home run from Brandon Lowe, and now he gives the Rays the lead. So the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, there's a baseball, there's a professional baseball team in Tampa.
2: Have yeah, and uh, they play in like a, a giant warehouse.
3: Have started the season ten and 0, one of the best starts in Major League Baseball history, the best start of the wildcard era, whatever the hell that means. Anyway, and uh, they're dominating other teams also in that they have outscored their opponents seventy six to eighteen as of last night when they won, I think, one nothing or something.
2: Yeah, one nothing over the Bo Sox. They'd won their first nine games by at least four runs each. The first time that had happened since the Murderers Row Yankee teams that featured, like, Babe Ruth or certainly uh, Joe DiMaggio.
3: Anyway, um, yeah. they could go uh, 162 and none, zero. Uh, I suspect they will. That is my prediction, <laughs> yes.
2: Um, <coughs> speaking of baseball, um, at the other coast... Thoroughly annoying and woke San Francisco Giants uh, manager, Gabe Kapler, who actually he ran me off of uh, being one of the world's biggest Giants fans. I was such a big Giants fan. And he came out with the, yeah, I'm not going to be anywhere near the field for the national anthem until this country makes real changes. Oh, boy. So like so many other things, they're dead to me. Well, he's come out with uh, new statements. He's called out the the uneven playing field facing Spanish-speaking players. During his pregame availability, the Dodgers, blah, blah, blah. He took a moment to discuss how players who are not native English speakers face a disadvantage with umpires. He's acknowledged this has long been a problem in Major League Baseball, but (laughs) pointed out to the new pitch clock and other rules as exacerbating the problem. Quote, over the years, when you have an English-speaking umpire and a Spanish-speaking player, that Spanish-speaking player is going to be at a disadvantage. Now you're layering on brand new rules, and the language being spoken at the plate is English. I just don't think that's fair. I don't think it's good. Wow.
3: How do you, how do you get that
2: worldview? Hey, hey, Gabe, does your team play in the American League or the National League? Huh? Click in your mind, anything? Nope. Okay, we'll move on.
3: So if I go a place for some Euro soccer team because I'm so damned good and they don't speak my English at every level, that's a horror of some sort? That's crazy. How do you come up with these ideas about the world?
2: Yeah, I know. He is so... The the ability of ideology to neutralize intelligence continually amazes me. I don't know how intelligent the guy is. I hear he's a good baseball man. But um,
3: like I said last week with the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light thing, I'm kind of not into the whole boycotting all these different things because it just where does it end? I won't be able to eat anywhere or watch anything, you know, (laughs) but that one is highly annoying. I mean, it's hard to flip on the Giants and not think of that sort of crap. I know it. I know it. So if I go play
2: baseball in Japan and I don't understand the difference between ball and strike or I don't know the Japanese word for timeout we got to alter the game or or get bilingual umps or whatever. What a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for ruining my love of baseball, you jackass. Once again, another Spe- JA bomb. Speaking of um speaking of San Francisco on a much more serious note. I think you've probably heard about the uh the the fatal stabbing of that uh, tech executive, Bob Lee, who had fled San Francisco because it was getting too dangerous. He came back for a brief uh, business trip and was stabbed to death by somebody former San Francisco fire commissioner, uh, Don Carmignani was brutally assaulted in San Francisco's Marina district Wednesday night, two days after Mr. Lee was stabbed to death in the city. Um, the, uh, the attack on Mr. Carmignani was a group of uh, ne'er-do-wells. nobody sure if they came from a local junkie camp or whatever. Um, uh, surrounding him and beating him down with, I think it's a crowbar. Oh, my God. A man wielding a metal pipe. Unlike the Lee stabbing, officers were called to the scene quickly, provided a description of the suspect. The man, Garrett Doty, who was wielding the pipe, was found several blocks away and arrested uh booked on a number of, of different charges. Carmen Yani, meanwhile, was rushed to the hospital with severe head injuries. Severe head injuries. His family is is thanking from the bottom of their hearts passers by for interceding and trying to stop the attack. It's the only thing that saved his life. Horrible. Yeah, and uh San Francisco residents have led a renewed effort to bring greater police presence to the city, as well as a uh, stricter sentencing for criminals. And they have all sorts of quotes from all sorts of people. Crime has been pretty bad, but now look where these attacks are happening and how often they're happening. They're supposed to be nice neighborhoods. Look who they're happening to. Um, I've seen a change this week. I'm booked on security consultations for the next month due to these attacks. People are hiring private police forces to keep their neighborhoods safe. So terrible. Um, well, here's one more quote I wanted to throw in. Um, Jacob Spencer, local activist, added, San Francisco is such a beautiful city and really is unique for an American city in many ways. This is such a black mark for the city right now. They can claim that crimes are dropping all they want, but it's really hard to stand there and say it's getting better when some of the wealthiest and best-known people are being attacked on the streets. Well, and average people, too. Um, I actually read a great bit of analysis about the whole crime is dropping lie, how they manipulate the statistics. And it's and uh, the very brief version is what we've talked about many times. If the prosecutors won't prosecute, the police won't arrest. And if the police won't arrest and it happens over and over and over again, you stop calling the cops. You don't even report crimes.
3: Oh, absolutely. That's
2: so clearly what's happening.
3: Seventy five percent of statistics are manipulated. I don't know if you know that or not. Wow. Wow.
2: So, uh, as soon as we're done with this segment, Jack, I'm going to run to the Whole Foods in San Francisco uh, to pick up some stuff. Do you need me to get anything? What's some that? I'm sorry. They're, they're talking to me in my ear. Some, I need some, some kale. kale and uh, almond milk, perhaps. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oat milk. I'm on to oat milk now. Oh, almond milk is so 2022.
3: Right. Night. Oat milk well, is the
2: new thing. I'm afraid I am foiled in my efforts as the Whole Foods market has announced that their store in downtown San Francisco will be closed just a year after it opened because of rampant crime in the city. Wow. San Francisco Chronicle still trying to tell you, well, there's less crime being reported. Are you delusional or stupid? Or both. Perhaps it's both. The grocery store chain said the Whole Foods at 8th Market closed as it deals with crime near the store that impacts its workers' safety. Quote, We're closing our Trinity location for the time being. If we can feel we can ensure the safety of our team members in the store, we'll evaluate a reopening of our Trinity location. Deteriorating street conditions, uh, drug use, and crime near the grocery store led the Whole Foods location closing its stores, including the San Francisco Standard. There's been a massive decline in people walking in downtown San Francisco uh, because of the pandemic, but the store's only been open a year he has witnessed extreme poverty, drug use, and mental illness on the streets, et cetera, et cetera.
3: And I got to assume that a Whole Foods doesn't open a location. And because that's a, you know, the rep is it's a whole paycheck. It's a pricey grocery store. So they, they didn't randomly put that somewhere. They put it somewhere where they're going to have the clientele. And it's still too dangerous. Right.
2: Right. So, what did the board of soups guy say? Who represents that district? <clears throat> he said he was quote incredibly disappointed, but sadly unsurprised by the closure of Mid Market's Whole Foods. Our neighborhood, <clears throat> excuse me, waited a long time for the supermarket, but we're also well aware of problems they've experienced with drug-related retail theft, adjacent drug markets, and the many safety issues related to them. So the guy who represents the district and fought for the grocery store is like, yeah, it's just so crappy. They had to close. We get it.
3: And then wow. and then when you hear these various stories about food deserts, the food deserts in bad neighborhoods are trying to keep various people from being able to eat vegetables. They never factor in this part. Yeah, yeah. California's
2: crumbling, Michael. California's crumbling! <laughs> You know, I like this editorial by Monica Showalter uh, about the situation. On the one hand, we have a very vocally angry Silicon Valley tech community speaking out about the out-of-control crime situation, uh, and she goes into some detail on the stuff we've already talked about. On the other hand, we have a soggy, entrenched political establishment seeking to assure us that there's no crime problem at all. This is evident enough in the crime is down coverage seen in the political establishment's house organ, the San Francisco Chronicle, and in the surreal statements of the city hall power establishment rooted in special interests, especially the most powerful one, the homeless industrial complex. I wrote about that. uh, San Francisco currently spends about as much on homeless services as it does on police. And by some studies, such as the one cited below, actually more. Not surprisingly, as per Thomas Sowell's observation, you can have all the poverty you want to pay for, and San Francisco pays a lot. According to the Hoover Institution, good friends of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Leo Hanian, spending $1.1 billion on homelessness is just the latest installment in San Francisco's constant failure to sensibly and humanely deal with an issue that it chronically misdiagnoses and mismanages about as much as is humanly possible. Since fiscal year 2016-17, San Francisco spent almost $3 billion on homelessness and the city's politicians remain seemingly baffled year after year as the number of homeless in the city skyrocket, as opioid overdoses kill more than COVID-19, and as the city has become nearly the most dangerous in the country. Well, is They there- spent $57,000 per homeless person per year.
3: Yeah. Wow. If you moved out of the city, you could live on that. Or if you got several of you together in a place, you could live in it in, on it in San Francisco. Uh, is there any example anywhere of spending more money and not ending up with more homeless people? Or is that always the case? It seems to me like it's always the case. The more you spend, the more homeless people you end up with.
2: I think that's, that's absolutely true. Um, just because there are a certain number of people, and it's far higher than I ever dreamed, who would like to live as no-job, leisure-all-day drug addicts. And if you make it comfortable and easy for them to do that, they will do that. And that's most of the homeless industrial complex of spending. The other part that the article makes clear, and we don't have time to really get into it, but I'll summarize it, is that, and Jack, you've made this point many times, as have I, that $3 billion spent over the last five, six years, somebody's getting that. Right. Okay? And where $3 billion is being spent, people are trying really, really, really hard to A, get a, a part of it, a share of it, and B, keep it going. If and not, if any- they can appeal to, your, uh, appeal to your compassion and the rest of it. And we've got to be humane and help these poor neighbors experiencing homelessness. The gravy train just keeps a rolling.
3: it's a hell of a gravy train, too. That's a lot of money. By the way, that Whole Foods that decided to close had every single shopping basket stolen. 250 shopping baskets, all of them stolen. That wouldn't need to happen many times for you would think, oh, screw it. We're closing the doors.
2: Yeah, Unbelievable. Do the homeless get that $57,000 per being spent on them? Of course not. The princelings of the NGO establishment get that money for themselves. That's what's made them politically powerful, enough to call the shots at City Hall. California's crumbling, Michael. California's
3: crumbling. So we got a radio DJ who um, made a good na-
2: morning. <laughs> I
3: was a radio DJ. I was the morning guy in uh, college radio, but um, got he made a Nazi salute, just trying to kind of be funny. But man, didn't go that way. So got one of those stories for you. Always good. I love overreactions. Big fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the the story is uh, how people are pretending to be grievously right. wounded. Exactly. Right. Nazi Germany.
3: And uh, at some point, we're going to get to how old you should have to be to work. Shocked that many people on the left end of politics think it's a horror for teenagers to have a job. What? I don't get that. I don't either. Anyway. That's your typical, That's your ticket to, to affluence. <sighs> anyway. Uh, you can text us anytime you want. 415-295-KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Strong and Getty Show. The White House hosted its annual Easter egg roll on the South Lawn, and this year they even unveiled a new Easter bunny. Look at that picture, right? Look at that picture there, the Easter Bunny. Gotta be a blow for Vice President Harris. <laughs> to see that someone in an Easter Bunny costume has gotten closer to Biden <laughs> than she has during his entire presidency.
2: Well, the bunny's probably smarter.
3: Oh, ouch! <laughs> Joe Getty, shock jock, says Vice President Harris <laughs> dumber than rabbit. Come on. <laughs> Roughly, yes. So I didn't uh, watch Brett Bear's piece on Fox yesterday. He they said they're all week long they're going to do a thing on AI. Did you see it? Mm, I did. Yeah. It was it yeah. good. It was fine um, going in
2: depth on a one hour news show like that means they spend two minutes.
3: I, I was guessing that they were going to kind of start at a cursory level. And since we've been into this pretty heavy for a while now, I've I, I've been listening to these podcasts. Lex Friedman, a great podcast, been having some of the top researchers in the world on talking about it. And it's flipping mind blowing in all kinds of different directions. But came across this uh, selling nudes of imaginary women on Reddit. And it is working. So A.I. is creating naked hotties. People are buying pictures of naked hotties are paying to be on websites where you look at naked hotties doing various things. They're not even real people. I said, hey, Esther. It's not surprising that that is what's happening. They used an example here of uh, um, uh, stable diffusion. It's an A.I. program that uses machine learning to generate shockingly realistic photos In this case, the text prompt was a selfie of a woman in her house without makeup with black hair, shoulder length hair, simple background, straight hair, blah, blah, blah. And then whatever kind of sex you want. And then uh, and then they produce that and it looks real. And so why do you even need human beings? Okay, so that's pretty damned interesting. So that just the fact that people are paying money to see non-existent people, whatever. But here's the more troubling thing that has started to crop up. Apparently, Discord communities are selling deep fake porn of personal girls, meaning non-celebrities. In other words, pick a girl, maybe somebody you just took a picture of, and you can have them create porn of oh. that person. Or somebody you work with, or somebody at your high school. Yeah. Anybody you see and take a pic- have a picture of. Anybody you have a picture of. Yeah, so, so this, Ugh. I hadn't even considered this, but obviously this is where it's going to go, is... Yeah, you got a fantasy about anyone? All you got to do is get the picture to the right AI source who has the expertise and create porn of that. Now,
2: Or, or if you have a grudge against, say, your senior VP of accounting, you have photorealistic pictures made of her engaged in porn or him.
3: So the ethical issues they get into is the idea that there's porn out there using your actual likeness, but non-consensually. God, I don't know if you didn't actually do it as long. I don't know if it doesn't be. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do about this. I don't think there's any stopping it. Well, and the
2: other really troubling aspect of this is if it's clearly an image meant to depict an underage person engaged in sexual oh. activity, a.k.a. child porn, what do you do then? There's no child that was exploited, and yet you have, and if you haven't seen this stuff, it's photorealistic. You don't know that it's AI created. You think it's a picture, uh, a photograph Isn't there of, sh- of somebody who looks to be 12 years old. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so there's obviously that. That's the horrifying. But just the general, you're into some chick. She's the barista at the Starbucks or whatever. And you send it to, a picture of the, or her to this company, then you have porn of her. Is, is she being damaged in any way if nobody else knows? I mean, it's not good. I'm not arguing it's good. I just, I just don't know if... She'll even know about it most of the time.
2: Well, if it got out, that would unquestionably be incredibly embarrassing.
3: I don't know. There's so much freaking porn. So one company, an AI firm, said 96% of all deepfakes are pornographic in nature. Porn often leads the way in technology as the driving force. Especially in the online era, you know, since the 90s or whatever. Uh...
2: War and porn are the two great drivers of technology in the history of mankind.
3: So you got people paying for people that don't to see naked people or sex videos of people that don't even exist or people, you know, it's just there. you know, it's made. I don't know. I don't know where any of this is going or how you're going to stop it. Wow. Wow is wow. right. Debauched society.
2: Uh. Read the Bible, folks. Read the Bible.
3: We do four hours. If you miss an hour, grab the podcast. Armstrong and Getty on demand.
0: Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.